0: Sports Crunch with D. Crom. I'm your host, David Cromwell, and we are just over five weeks away from the 2017 NFL Draft. And the objective here at Sports Crunch with D. Crom, from now until draft day, is to give you an in-depth look, position by position, at this deep, deep draft class. And we start today with where the game of football begins, up front, in the trenches, with the offensive line, defensive line, and edge prospects. And to help us break it all down. We have an amazing special guest for you today, Charles McDonald. Charles writes for the SB Nation Atlanta Falcons fan website, The Falcoholic and also scouts every defensive tackle in the NFL for Bleacher Report's weekly NFL 1000 series during the regular season. It, it was one of my favorite reads during this entire past season, and I highly encourage you to check it out during football season, folks. And that's not all. Last but not least, he co-hosts the podcast, Setting the Edge, with fellow DL Edge guru, Justice Mosqueda, who has been another previous guest on this program. And uh, his resume obviously speaks for itself, so let's not waste any more time and officially welcome Charles to the show. Great to have you, Charles. How you doing today?
1: Oh, thanks for having me. It's all all good, another day in paradise, as they say. Uh, Up here in Baltimore, Maryland, just experiencing this ridiculous, weird weather that we we were just talking about before we started recording.
0: Uh, Most definitely, Charles, Ed, Ed, you're very welcome, and thank you uh, for donating your time and talents uh, to our program today. And uh, without further ado, let's uh, start with this offensive line class. And the overwhelming consensus in the scouting community is that this offensive tackle class is one of the worst in years. How many offensive tackles do you personally have a first-round grade on? And if you do so on any of them, who are they and why?
1: Well, I don't know if it's the worst offensive tackle class in years, but I do think that it's a little bit top-heavy. So I have uh, first-round grades on... You know, Cam Robinson, from uh, left tackle from Alabama. I have a first-round grade on Taylor Moten, the right tackle from uh, uh, Western Michigan. And I have a first-round grade on uh, Ryan... I'm about to butcher his last name. Ryan Ram... Ram- yeah, Ramjick, the um, left tackle from Wisconsin. And, you know, I think... Like, those three, I think, are all guys who have a potential to start in the NFL for a very, very long time. But... Below that, I, I I can see where people would say that it it falls off a cliff a little bit, and I, I think a guy that who's been getting hype is uh, Utah's Garrett Bowles. But the thing with Bowles is, you know, you kind of have to remember that he's, uh, you know, he was 24 last year. He, he'll be 25 before the start of the season. So if you just think about how, you know, young men physically mature, a 24 year old going against guys that are 18 to 21 years old. He should be winning most of those matchups, so I, I think that could be a guy that's getting a little bit overrated because you 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 just naturally are stronger when you're uh, when you're in your mid twenties over your early twenties. So I mean, when you think about Garrett Bowles, that's like putting Jake Matthews back into college right now and mm-hmm. kind of thinking about how he would physically compare to his competition.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. Another knock on Bowles has been his lack of lower body strength. Like, can you can, do you share that sentiment? Uh, to
1: a degree, like I think in, in past pro, it, it shows up fine, but there are definitely times versus run when he uh, struggles to to uh, drive guys off the ball. And I think like look, we saw at the combine, he's obviously a great athlete and. Uh, even just sticking with the Jake Matthews comparison, like I'm a Falcons fan, so I watch the Falcons all the time. I watch, unfortunately watch, uh, you know, break down their games. But, you know, like Jake Matthews and Bulls, like they're both very good in space, but sometimes when they have to anchor and drive, it gets heavier de- defensive ends, that's where they struggle. And I I do think that's an area of concern for Bulls game. But at the same time, like w- the way teams are using so much outside and inside and zone and, you know, uh, toss plays where they're getting alignment the out in space, I wouldn't really knock them too much for it.
0: Most definitely, Charles. And uh, back to the uh, overall offensive tackle uh, class uh, for a moment. Um, Scouts have also said that because of the proliferation of the spread and spread option offenses uh, in the college game, that offensive tackle is almost as hard, if not even harder, a position to scout uh, than quarterback because of the fact that they don't have to play in a three-point stance very often, if not at all. And you have to be able to play in a three-point stance just as much as a two-point stance in order to be a successful NFL offensive tackle. So we've seen more busts than, more busts than booms uh, when it comes to offensive tackles in the NFL draft in recent years. Uh, most notably, guys like uh, Greg Robinson uh, stands out as a big example of that. Uh, and with the, the, this top-heavy offensive tackle class uh, this year, do you see this as a new norm for uh, for draft classes, or do you think it will get better in the years ahead?
1: Uh, I don't, this is something that Justice and I we've talked a lot about, you know, just b- between the two of us, how, uh, you know, if you if you last year had a perfect example, uh, the Raven Clark from Texas Tech who ended up being, I think, a fifth round pick to the Colts. So before the Senior Bowl, you know, he's getting hype as like a big guy. Because uh, he moves really well, he's really athletic. But at Texas Tech, he didn't—he—he he wasn't asked to do anything but kind of bail into seven-step drop pass sets, where you know he's just kicking and seeing if he can drive the defensive end uh, around the quarterback and out of the pocket. But in the NFL, you know the, the 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 offense is a lot more diverse than that. So I, I remember we were at the Senior Bowl last year, and like the first. I don't think the Raven Clark won a single rep that first day, except against like Sean Oakman. So like you can, you can even see from just moving up from big 12 to like the top of the top senior bowl, uh, talent level, like it it can be a struggle there. So obviously when you're moving from senior bowl competition to real NFL players, that can be a a huge problem. So I I think when, like when I, when you look at the guys that I have ranked at the top, Cam Robinson, uh, Taylor Moten and Ryan uh, Ramzik, those are guys that all played in, I-, I would say, quasi-pro style systems where you know they're going to be in uh, three-point stances and they're asked to do a lot of different things. And especially like Ramzik, that that's like uh, that 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 offense is like straight out the the '90s for the NFL. They're running a lot of two-back power off-formation, stuff like that. So I don't think I wouldn't have a concern about. Those guys in particular, but I think as you start moving down the board a little bit, um, you know, some of these guys are, are, are you know, when they, when they come from these, these heavy pe- spread offenses in the Big 12, that's that can be a, a bit of a red flag.
0: He's Charles McDonald, ladies and gentlemen, co-host of Setting the Edge podcast, contributor to the Falcoholic, the espionage Atlanta Falcons fan website, and also a weekly contributor to Bleacher Report's NFL 1000 series during the regular season. And uh, let's uh, now move on from the offensive tackle class to the interior offensive line class. And obviously the prospect that everybody is so excited about there is uh, Western Kentucky's Forrest Lamp, who... Obviously, played tackler college, but because of his arm length, he's projected by the vast majority of scouts to kick inside to guard. And uh, how does this uh, guard setter class compare to this tackle class? And name some other guard setter prospects that excite you personally.
1: Uh, you know, I love Force Lamp, or just steal the phrase from the anchor man, uh, I love Lamp.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> but, uh, it was, well, at first, I was on the, the train that, you know, why does Force Lamp have to Play guard because I, I watched him at tackle, and you you go watch that Alabama game, and he's going against John Allen and Tim Williams and just shutting them down like it's nothing. It's so like, hey, I mean, maybe this is a guy that can actually play tackle in the NFL and it doesn't need to be kicked in the side. But uh, that first day at the Senior Bowl, he played tackle and just got destroyed. Like in, in the past restaurant of ones, they they roasted him. So they kicked him inside for the rest of practice and he was just dominant there. So like, okay, uh, maybe this is where you you want to put him moving forward. And if you just look at Four Slams Combine, and he's an elite athlete for uh, the offensive line position. You know, like if you go to uh, mockdraftable.com, which is a website that pretty much everyone in the draft community uses, uh, he's, he's ranking, you know, at, at least in the seventh percentile for most of his athletic tests, which is fantastic. Uh, so I think like when you Like I just I was talking about before how a lot of teams are running outside inside zone, that is like the prototypical athlete you look for at that position. And I mean you have someone who has the background of going toe to toe with big competition and not uh, flinching and showing up to the occasion. I I think he's going to end up being like a top twenty selection when it's all said and done. Uh, The other big name in this class is Dan Feeney uh, from Indiana. And Feeney was interesting because he he due to injuries he has a flip between right guard and right tackle throughout the season. And you can definitely tell that he's more comfortable at guard than tackle. And it's not that he was a bad tackle, but that's not where he can kind of play in the NFL moving forward, mainly because like you said, uh before slamp arm length, you can really see it on the edge. He he struggles there. But he's a damn good right uh right guard. I, I think he's in that I think he's a little bit below four slant, but they can both do uh, a lot of similar things. And another guy that I've been uh kind of keeping my eye on for the past, like, two years now is uh, Danny Isidora from Miami. He's not the most technically sound, to put it lightly, but I just, I love guys, like, I love guys that have that dog in them that just want to, just want to hurt the guy across from them, and, and I think he has a mentality that you can't really, that, that you can't teach or that's hard to teach, so, I mean, if he was there on day three in the fifth round, I would definitely be down to take a flyer on him.
0: And there should be quite a bit of uh, nice value picks at uh, that position, and we will discuss those um, more later on. But before uh, we get to the defensive line, I have a curious question about uh, the interior offensive line. Uh, yes, there's a, they say the left tackle is the quarterback's big insurance, but I think that that notion is almost starting to change because with the quality of tackle play, that uh, um, De- relatively uh, declining uh, in the National Football League in recent years, and the star players on the in- inside of the offensive line uh, actually uh, rising. Um, I'm starting to think that uh, the interior of the offensive line is starting to become equally as valuable as the left tackle position uh, because uh, they, like, give you stability and they, they help the group gel together better. And a uh, classic example is Alex Smack, who I would argue was the offensive MVP for the Falcons this season because his addition was the final piece that had turned out to be the straw that that stirred the drink because he helped uh, bring that offensive line together to give Matt Ryan the best protection he's had in years. And uh, I think that, that is uh, that might be true going forward, especially with all the various fronts and the preference to rush quarterbacks up the gut uh, these days by uh, defensive coordinators. So, uh, do you do you share that sentiment? Do you think the interior offensive line is uh, starting to become equally as valuable as the left tackle position?
1: Yeah, and even like moving forward from there, I would I think that even right tackle is becoming a a pretty premier position in the NFL. I mean, you look at uh, just look at when you think about like the top edge rushers in the game, where are they lining up? You know, Vic Beasley, Von Miller, Khalil Mack, J.J. Watt, uh, D. Ford, Justin Houston. All these guys they're lining up over the right tackle, so you need to have a guy that you can set out there to block, but you don't, but you don't need you know a back or a tight end, uh, you know, helping him uh, while while he's blocking against these elite rushers. So, I, I think that in the next few years we should see contracts kind of shift towards. Being more equally distributed uh, between you know center guard and right tackle, and not just always see monster contracts at, at left tackle, because I mean if you look at uh, the Tennessee Titans this year, and uh, they had, they had the right tackle Jack Conklin, who was great in the pa- in the run game, but in the past game, he he was he was better than I thought he was going to be, but there are still a lot of times that he had to have a tight end or a running back on his side help him against some of those better rushers and in that's hard on the quarterback because now you're taking away options that can be used downfield. So having a guy that can win those one-on-one matchups is going to be key. And I mean, we even saw last year during the season or before the season, we saw Mitchell Schwartz get an extend or get a big contract from Kansas City. And then Ryan Schrader saw a a big contract extension during the season too for the Falcons. So uh, I think right tackle and interior offensive line are going to be seen as uh, bigger priorities moving forward.
0: And we also saw that, um, in recent weeks with the contract the Detroit Lions gave uh, Ricky Wagner, so I definitely right. definitely share, share that point of view. And uh, now let's move on to the other side of the line, in the defensive line. And uh, in terms of the draft, last in last year's draft class, the buzz was that the D-line class was super, super deep, and the edge pass rushing class wasn't quite as so. But this year the buzz is kind of the reverse. Do you, yeah. do you share those feelings?
1: Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. Like the because last year with the defensive tackle class, you know, we had there are so many guys that performed well as rookies, you know, Sheldon Rankins, Kenny Clark, Javon Hargrave, Vincent Valentine, even the undrafted guys like Michael Pierce out in Baltimore. Uh, but this year, I don't really see the the same amount of talent. I I do think there are some good players like uh, Malik McDowell from Michigan State is an absolute monster, even though he has some questions to answer off the field. And I really like Jaleel Johnson from Iowa too. So I think those are two guys that can be difference makers early on i i don't know how high they're gonna go at all because you know like jaleel johnson he didn't do well at the combine and malik mcdowell apparently had some of the worst combine interviews you'll ever hear so yes. it, it it's kind of it's a little bit fluid there this year but the edge class you know obviously miles garrett uh, is probably gonna be the first pick to the browns and then you have other guys like solomon thomas charles harris taco uh Charlton, Carl Lawson, I mean, on and on and on and on. A bunch of guys who should be productive edge rushers in the NFL. Uh,
0: Most definitely. And speaking of uh, defensive line and and edge rushers, as you mentioned, Solomon Thomas, uh, I'm a big Solomon Thomas fan myself. And I've heard some people designate him as a defensive lineman and others uh, designate him as an edge rusher. So uh, just out of curiosity, how do you distinguish a defensive lineman from an edge player? And I hear that Obviously, that such a distinction is more complicated than the average fan thinks, and that several players, uh, Solomon Thomas, for example, can be seen as both.
1: Well, see, the thing with, with Solomon Thomas is, uh, so Stanford's system is, you know, they, they have a little bit of an odd front where they, they're they playing Solomon Thomas a lot uh, on what's it's called a four-eye technique, so you're on the inside shoulder of the offensive tackle. And really what you need that player to do is just be able to hold the point and kind of eat space and eat double teams uh, and kind of let, you know, your safeties and your linebackers behind you give them a little bit easier time flowing to the ball. But the the thing with it is Solomon Thomas wasn't really good at anchoring and holding double teams like that. But I, when you saw him be able to get into space or they would send him on a stun, like you saw that ridiculous athleticism. So... If you're if you're telling me a, if you're telling me a guy who weighs 270 pounds, you want him to be like an interior player, you know that just doesn't work because the only guy, I mean the only guy I can think of that sub 290 and is really making it work on a consistent week in week out basis is Aaron Donald, and you can't bake on everybody being Aaron Donald. He's he's a generational talent. Uh, so I, I think you know when you just look at the frame. Six uh, three two seventy three. He had the same exact combine as Justin Houston. Uh, he he's got to be an edge player that you can kick inside on on passing downs to play you know three technique and kind of give guards some trouble that way. But uh, I would not be comfortable playing inside every single snap. He he just he's not good enough against the run just yet at his at this point in his career.
0: Thank you for that additional uh, scouting report on uh, <laughs> Thomas uh, Charles and. Uh, and, and and as I and as uh, I said, his uh, resume speaks for itself. He knows a lot of things, and he is a must-follow on Twitter for all you NFL picks out there at verts and that is F O U R V E R T S, just for the sake of spelling it. And, uh, and back to Salman Thomas for a second. Uh, I was wondering, uh, there has been uh, early on in this uh, process, uh, Alabama's Jonathan Allen, who's a who's an excellent player, by the way. Yeah. Uh, was getting top three hype, but but a lot of people like starting at early January were saying oh watch out for Solomon Thomas He he he, he might uh, he might fly past him on the draft board and uh, especially given uh, the 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 uh, buzz going around that Jonathan Allen has some arthritic condition in both of his shoulders uh, Could very make that a reality. So I was just curious. Do you have Solomon Thomas ranked higher or lower than Jonathan Allen? And do you think he gets drafted higher, regardless of where you have ranked him, because of Allen's shoulder issues?
1: Well, the way that I kind of, I, I kind of rank, uh, you know, when I'm when I'm going through the, the the draft prospects around this time, I I used to just try to go like, I think this guy's better than this guy, I think this guy's better than this guy, but I, I just kind of realized like it, it's really hard to just rank guys like that. So I have. Uh, you know, I have what I call a top five tier. And for my edge defenders, you know, there's one player there, Miles Garrett, of course. And then below that, I have uh, first-round caliber players. So I actually have Solomon Thomas and John Allen in the same tier. And I think for a team, it's just kind of, do you do you want a steady player now who might not be much better than he is now uh, in five years? Or do you want a guy who may not have the highest floor, but, you know, the, the – Athletic profile says he can be an all-pro talent in a few years, um, but so I think like when you when you think about the guys that go early in the draft, uh, you know, Javion Clowney, Khalil Mack, Vic Beasley, Von Miller, all those guys they they had really freakish combines, and I, I I think that Solomon Thomas is going to end up going before John Allen in the draft just because you just don't you know if if you find a defensive lineman that is you know that big that athletic with no off the field issues no real injury issues that's a guy that's gonna go top five almost every single time and uh yeah so i I see i see solomon thomas going ahead but i i I think they're probably about equal caliber prospects
0: that is a very good point since each of them has a different frame and brings a different skill sets uh, to the table subtle uh, differences but still differences nonetheless and uh how far do you see Allen falling especially if those uh Fears about his shoulders turn out to be true in many teams' eyes.
1: Um, I don't. I, I mean, I, I, he may not go. He may not be like a top five lock that he was before. But I, I still do think that he's going to end up going in the top fifteen. Like, um, I don't have the draft order in front of me, but uh, I maybe, I wouldn't. I'd be surprised if, like if he got past like the Saints pick. You know, if, if they put uh, John Allen next to Sheldon Rankins, Nick Fairley, and uh, Cam Jordan, that would be an absolutely tremendous defensive line. And even in the top 10, like, I don't know, you, you, you don't really see guys like that productive who were, I mean, he was productive for three years at Nick Saban's program. He's, he's, I think he's still going to go fairly high in the draft, like top 15, at least
0: he's Charles McDonald. Ladies and gentlemen, you can follow him on Twitter at four verts. He co-hosts the podcast study the edge with justice Mosqueda, where they have weekly, uh, NFL draft analysis there, and he also is a contributor to Bleacher Report's NFL 1000 series. And on to Edge Prospects for, for a moment. You obviously mentioned Miles Garrett, and it's pretty much a foregone conclusion if uh, he uh, that he, he will be the uh, first overall pick by the Cleveland Browns, because if he isn't, then hell will freeze over there, I say. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. So I was just wondering, when it comes to Edge Prospects, uh, how far is the drop off from Miles Garrett, and which of these other edge prospects do you see going in the first round?
1: Uh, so, the the guy I see going in the first round, you know, uh, so we, Miles Garrett, of course, I, I think after the combine, he he's kind of locked up that number one pick. So, Miles Garrett, and then I think uh, the other two locks are Solomon Thomas and John Allen. But a name that I've been kind of hearing recently is uh, Derek Rivers from Youngstown State. Ooh. Yeah. And, you know, he's not really a well-known guy, but he is very, very good. Like when you, when you look at his athletic profile, which is, which is so important for these pass rushers because you can, you can kind of eliminate how good they're going to be in the NFL based on how they tested the combine. And that's something that Justice has done a lot of research on with his force players metric. And Derek Rivers is one of the more athletic guys in this draft. And to be, to be honest, I hadn't heard of him before I went down to the Senior Bowl this year. And, you know, we're sitting in the stands, and I see this guy with a, a red helmet and white face mask, and I was like, I don't even know who that is. Like, what school is Like, Justice is like, yeah, that's Derek Rivers. Watch this. He's going to be really good. And he was just kicking these asses all week long. So, I think when you have a guy that dominated the FCS level, dominated the Senior Bowl, dominated the Combine, that's I mean, when you check all those boxes, that's gonna be a guy that teams are gonna be willing to uh, kind of push up their board a little bit and maybe take a risk on. If you just look at last year with Javon Hargrave, he dominated uh, South Carolina State, went to the Shrine game, played well, shows up, uh, gets a late invite to the senior bowl. And I remember he was uh, that guard from LSU last year, Fidel Alexander, he was just giving him fits all day in practice and then he had a good game. Comes to the combine, blows it up and has a stellar rookie year. So I think when you see guys that just continually check off box after box after box, those are the guys going to get pushed off the draft board. And in River's case, you know we had guys like Tack McKinley, Charles Harris, Carl Lawson not do as well as we thought they were going to do at the combine. So at maybe Rivers stock kind of goes up as theirs go down. And I wouldn't be surprised to see rivers you know slipping into that late at like the back half of the first round.
0: And that uh, is a perfect transition to our, our, our next uh, question, which is uh, to name some um, prospects, whether offensive line, defensive line, or edge rusher, who you believe are flying up draft boards right now, aside from uh, uh, Derek Rivers from uh, Youngstown State. Uh, we also, another name comes to mind is uh, Taco Charlton from Michigan, or Jordan Willis, if, if, is that his name? Correct me if I'm wrong, from uh, yeah. Kansas State. Uh, do you uh, about Who are some other names do you believe are flying up draft boards at the moment?
1: Yeah, I think I, yeah, Jordan Willis is gonna be a guy that, that's flying he's gonna he, I think he's gonna go probably top twenty because he has the all the production that you look for and then he came out and just obliterated the combine like a six eighty three uh three cone drill at two hundred fifty five pounds is crazy. Like that that's what some you know running backs and receivers and defensive backs are running so for him to get that number at that size is is absolutely remarkable so I, yeah i think like jordan willis derek rivers they're they're guys that are that are on the rise right now and off of the line you know I, I think that the the sentiment on cam robinson is kind of coming back a little bit uh because at first you know people were just kind of dogging on him because he he had a little bit of up and down play uh throughout his junior season but he was dealing with a, with an ankle injury, and you saw like when he was healthy, he was just an absolutely dominant player. And he's only twenty one years old; he's a great athlete. So, I wouldn't be surprised to see if, if like if Cam Robinson ended up going like uh, eight to Carolina, that would make a lot of sense to me uh, as, as I try to rebuild that offensive line. And even then, I, I don't I don't think Cam Robinson gets out of the top twenty, just because you, you don't see guys that big, that like that young that. You know that, that they usually pan out, so I, I I think Cam Robinson, Jordan Willis, Derek Rivers are are definitely on the rise.
0: Any prospects you could think of whose stock is falling right now?
1: Um, Charles Harris from Missouri, just because he, I mean, I thought he was going to be way more athletic than he was at the combine, but he just kind of just he did a like, he had an awful workout, and it it just kind of got me to thinking. You know, if you look back at Missouri defensive line prospects, uh, Alvin Smith, Michael Sam, Coney Ely, Shane Ray, Marcus Golden, who was second in the league in sacks last year. None of them did well at the combine. So I don't know if it's like, uh, if, if it's like a straight, the conditioning thing over there, but I thought Charles Harris was going to do better. But it, again, it's hard to, to sell yourself from a guy who's, who, who on paper is that limit, uh, limited athletically in the first round. And then, uh, to Carson McKinley, I I don't think his shuttle times and three-cut times are good enough, plus the uh, the shoulder injury is going to make him fall a little bit too.
0: Thank you very much once again, Charles, for joining us today and donating your amazing football expertise to our program. And uh, before we go, I just have one more question left. Obviously, it is important to hit on day one, round one of the draft, but those teams that hit on day three of the later rounds are usually the teams that, uh, that are consistent playoff contenders and they, uh, the prospect at the positions we've discussed or some prospects who will be the best bargain picks on day three, in your opinion?
1: Uh, I, I, so a guy that I really like, uh, Eddie Vanderdose out of UCLA. He's a former five-star recruit, but you know, he has some injuries, um, throughout his career that kind of caused him to slip a little bit, but he's, you know, he's nasty. He's strong. Uh, I think he's probably going to end up being a day-three pick, but I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up becoming, uh, like, even, like, a borderline Pro Bowl talent at, at nose tackle. And, uh let's see, another guy that I kind of like is uh, Derek Rivers' teammate, Avery Moss. Uh, he's not as athletic as Derek Rivers is, but he, he still is technically very sound and knows, you know, the, the, the finer points of... uh of defensive end play. And on the offensive side, uh, I-, I can't really think of anybody that would, that would intrigue me late. Cause like I said, it- it's, it's top heavy right now, but, uh, so Avery Moss, Eddie Vanderdose, another defensive lineman that I would put in there is, uh, DJ Jones from Old Miss, like he's not the most consistent guy, especially when it comes to anchoring at the point of attack, but he's real flashy, he's real athletic, and I I think he's going to be in the league for a little bit.
0: And that's all for today here on SportsCrunch with d Crom. Thank you once again, Charles, for uh, joining us. And once again, you can follow him on Twitter at 4Verts, and I strongly encourage you to check out his podcast, Setting the Edge, that he co-hosts with Justice Bosqueda. And also check out his work at thefalcoholic.com. And also, uh, you can check out his work in the NFL Bleach Report 1000 series, which is a weekly series that occurs during the regular season as he issues scouting reports on every defensive tackle in the National Football League. And we, uh, Charles, I can't thank you enough. And we definitely hope to have you on the program sometime in the very near future.
1: Oh, uh, yeah, anytime. Thanks for having me, guys.
0: You're very welcome. Thank you for joining us, Charles. And that's all for today. But we will be back with another episode previewing this 2017 NFL draft class next week. And also be sure to check out our complete broadcast archive as well as an up to date blog of mine at sportscrunch.com. And that is Crunch with a K, just to remind you. For Charles McDonald, our producer, Chris Broadhead, man in the box, I'm David Cromwell, saying so long and stay awesome.